morning again, Grace Covenant. So one of the things I have realized as I have come to the Mile High City is that I am horribly out of shape. Uh, moving boxes up three flights of stairs took the wind out of me, and I'm a marathon runner. So um, you are all in much, much better shape than I am currently. And it is just amazing and, and a true blessing to be with you this morning. And I just want to say a quick thank you to those that have prayed for myself and Emily and for those that helped us move in uh, last weekend. Thank you. Um, I'm a little sad that Emily can't join me here for another four and a half months, not that I'm counting, but she is in school in Chicago finishing up her uh, master's degrees. So again, just thank you. It is so great to be here. And how many of you are really, 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 really tired yet excited to kick off 2020 this new year? Yeah. Yes. And as it is 2020 and a new pastor and a new year, we have a new sermon series. And this new sermon series is entitled Chosen, Following a God Who Is For Us. Chosen, Following a God Who Is For Us in the book of Ephesians, written by Paul the Apostle. And one of the things that I hope we all get from this series, um, and one of the things that I hope I get from this series, and one of the things that I'm going to hammer in to my own brain for a very long time, is we are chosen to receive God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. That means if God chose us, we didn't do anything to earn that grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. We didn't do anything to achieve that grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. That means that this is, as I said earlier, not our kingdom, but God's. Not our lives, but God's. We live not for ourselves, but we were chosen to follow God, following a God who is for us. And one of my former professors, Klein Snodgrass, at North Park Theological Seminary, has this great quote that I love, and I, I thought it would be a great quote that kind of um, encapsulates this series in Ephesians. And Klein said this, God's character is best described as a God for us, the one who has chosen us. God is the God of past, present, and future. And in all three, he is at work for us. Our security rests on what he did before the foundation of the world, on what he did and continues to do in Christ and in the Spirit, and on what he has promised for the future. God has intentionally chosen and planned to go to great lengths to achieve salvation for all people. You are not an accident. You being here is not an accident. And the question, the big question that I want us to look at over the course of this series is in knowing that we have the choice to receive God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness, how 
grace covenant? How, brothers and sisters, will we respond? How will we respond? How will we follow God in the knowledge of who he is? How will we follow God in the knowledge of who and what his character tells us about who he is? And to think of an illustration um, of how we respond to love, how we, how we respond to grace, how we respond to uh, a relationship Many of you have not known me for very long. For some of you, this is the first time meeting me or hearing me preach. But had you known me for a long time, you would know that I can be fairly uptight, focused, driven, and I always, always, always wear collared shirts. I don't know why I think I care too much about my image, but you will almost always see me in a collared shirt. And then I met this girl named Emily. And, you know, when you meet someone, when you have a great friend or a spouse or a fiancé or children, that love and that relationship changes you because you have to respond to their love for you and they have to respond to your love for them. So one of the things, or one of the ways that I have responded to Emily's love of me in our relationship is I did something on Christmas Day that I, in a million years, never, ever, ever, ever thought I would do, and the picture will now be on the screen. <laughs> and that is where matching PJs um, with my fiance at my parents' house as we opened presents. And I share this with you, one, to make a point, but two, so that nobody uses this picture to blackmail me in the future. So now that it's out in the world for all of Grace Covenant to see, nobody can use it against me. But it is an amazing thing to, to fall in love with a friend, fall in love with a child, fall in love with a, a spouse. And yet, God's love for us God's grace for us is a million times greater than my love for Emily and her love for me. A million, billion times greater. Yet I often have to ask myself, do I respond to, to God's love the same way that I respond to Emily's love? Does God's love transform me, transform my character, transform my lifestyle, transform my habits in the same way that my relationship with Emily has? And if it hasn't, I am setting the wrong thing, the wrong person on the throne. So as we look in Ephesians, as we look as, at this great letter by Paul, I want us to look at how are we responding to God's grace? How are we responding to the knowledge, our knowledge, of who God is? And in each week, we will look at a different response that we have in Ephesians to God's grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. And the first week is chosen for praise, chosen for for praise will be praise will be in Ephesians chapter one. And the big question in this 
is, what will we praise? What will we praise? The big question for this week is, what will we praise? Or maybe, whom will we praise? I don't know about the rest of you, but I have an enormous ego. I think everything is about me, even when it's not about me. Everything's about me. I like to praise. I like to adore myself. And when I say the word praise, I mean it in that more broad sense. What are we praising? What are we worshiping? What are we adoring? What are we giving thanks for in our life? So if you would, could you join with me in Ephesians chapter 1? But before we go into Ephesians chapter 1, let me pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we get to come to church. We get to come as the body of Christ to hear your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present and active in our hearts and in our minds, helping us to learn in the ways that you want us to learn and grow in the ways that you want us to grow. God, I pray that it would be your words that are spoken through me this morning and not my own. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And everybody at Grace Covenant said, Amen. Amen. And before we get into Ephesians, there's one thing I want to mention. Um, over the course of the next year, we are going to be going through books of the Bible, which means, brothers and sisters, bring your Bibles to church. Yes. We are going to be in God's Word, and I want you to bring God's Word to church. If you do not have a Bible, I will happily buy one for you. Uh, so I would love for us to bring our Bibles to church, bring your cell phone to church, whatever you need to be in God's Word, because we are going to be going through Ephesians and then another book of the Bible. I want us uh, to be a people of God's Word, intentionally digging into God's Word, not just on Sunday mornings, but I pray that also with your families and friends, what is not covered on Sunday mornings, because I could easily preach for five hours on Ephesians chapter 1 alone. I won't, but um, what is not covered in, what is not covered in, in the sermon, I pray that you would dig into and look at um, over the course of the week. So uh, please, please, please bring a Bible to church as we will be in God's Word together. So Paul, starting in verse 1 of Ephesians, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop there. How many of you, when you read a book of the Bible, you look at the introduction and you completely ignore said introduction and don't think it's very important? If you raise your hand, you are just like me. Because normally, I just pass over the introduction. It's Paul saying who he is, blah, blah, blah. Let's get to the meat of the chapter. Let's get to the meat, meaty verses. 
But in order to understand Ephesians chapter 1, in order to understand the book of Ephesians, we must understand this introduction. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Not Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by choice. Not Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by his own achievement. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. And a little background on the book of Ephesians is that Ephesians is likely written by Paul when he is imprisoned in Rome around 60 AD. He is writing this letter to a church uh, and a city, Ephesus, that he spent three years in as a missionary. And um, I know none of you will be watching the NFL playoffs after uh, this service. So after this service, I want you, if you have the time and if you remember, to look in the book of Acts, chapters 19 and 20, and that will give you a little glimpse, just a little glimpse of Paul's ministry in the town of Ephesus. And one of my favorite parts of Scripture is actually Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. It is just a great kind of picture of what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ through trials, through tribulations, and how we finish well. And finally, one more thing I want to say about Paul is, as some of you might know, Paul was not always a follower of Christ. Paul, in his early days, um, was part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of Jewish authorities. Paul was born in Tarsus, and by his parents' birthright is actually a Roman citizen, which is very rare for people of, of Jewish faith at that time. And Paul, after the death, after the crucifixion of Jesus, wanted nothing more wanted nothing more than to stop the spread of Christianity, to stop the spread of the good news of Christ's death and resurrection. And one of the early martyrs of the church is Stephen. Stephen is stoned in Jerusalem. And as he is being stoned in Jerusalem, the people who are stoning Stephen lay their coats at the feet of Saul, who we now know as Paul. So Paul spent a lot of his early days persecuting the church, a terrorist to the church. And then, probably going to Damascus to continue that persecution, as he goes from Jerusalem to Damascus, Paul on the road meets the living God. Paul on the road comes face to face with our Lord and our Savior. Paul on the road to Damascus has his purpose and life forever changed by God's grace and God's forgiveness. Paul, once a persecutor of the church, once a terrorist to the church, is transformed by God and ends up writing one-fourth of what we now know as the New Testament. God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness changed Paul. 
What can it do to us? What can it do to us? And one other thing I was thinking of as I was um, thinking of Paul's life and Paul's kind of conversion is that if God can choose Paul, if God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness can extend to Paul, it also extends to people I don't like very much. Certain relatives and friends and people that um, I just don't want to be around, but God's grace, God's love, God's mercy extends to them as well. Apparently, I'm the only one that has family members I don't like. I don't know. God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's forgiveness extends not just to Saul and Paul, but to all of us. And now moving on to verse 3, after we're a half hour into the sermon, we have a lot of verses to go. We might be here a while. I'm kidding. On to verse 3. And verse 3 through 14 is all one long run-on sentence in the Greek. And during the first service, I lost my voice um, reading this long run-on sentence. So we'll see if I do any better this service. Paul writes, starting in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. There's a lot of deep, theological language in this section, and I am just going to do a broad overview of the deep theological language in this section, and I want to give a quick glimpse of how Ephesians is laid out, which will give you a quick glimpse of how this series will be laid out. Paul, in the first three chapters, mostly of Ephesians, is talking about God's character, who God, God is, and is praising and adoring and explaining as best as he can who the God of the universe is and who this Savior is that he follows. And because of our adoration, because of our praise, because of who God is, 
then we respond. Then we respond. So chapters 4 through 6 of Ephesians, Paul really gets into the nitty-gritty of how, Grace Covenant, we can do church together. But the very first thing, and the thing that I think becomes really clear in Ephesians chapter 1 is that, that we are chosen. We are chosen by God's love. We are chosen for forgiveness. And one of the phrases that is often repeated in Ephesians chapter 1 is to the praise of his glory, to the praise of God's glory. We praise God because of who he is and because of the forgiveness that we have received through Jesus Christ. And what else does this say about God's character? And why, why should we praise him above all other things? Why should I put God before myself? Number one, he chose us. He chose us. And for those of you that are theological, that isn't a commentary on predestination versus free will or Calvinism versus Arminianism. Um, if you want that explained, ask me after. But God choosing us isn't a commentary by Paul on those theological things. Paul is basically saying that the character of God is that he chooses us to receive his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. And it's up to us, it's up to us to decide what we want to do with that grace, mercy, forgiveness, and love. We can ignore it, or we can live into it. And not only does God choose us, not only does God choose us, he adopts us. Which means, brothers and sisters, we are adopted into a family. It's not just an individual relationship between us and Christ. We are adopted through the power of the Holy Spirit as co-heirs with Christ into God's eternal kingdom. That means, brothers and sisters, that we do life as followers of Christ, not alone, not individually, but in community. And we do it because his grace is glorious and we want to extend that grace, that forgiveness, that love to other people. And in verses 22 and 23, Christ isn't just our Savior. Christ is our Lord. And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Yes, yes, Grace Covenant. I want people to come to salvation. I want people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it's just not just about salvation. It's not just about making a decision. It's about being a disciple. Christ isn't just Savior. He is Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord. That means as we follow Christ in our lives, it's not about us. It's not our kingdom. It's not our church. 
He is Lord over our lives. We submit in obedience to him, his spirit, and his word. Walter Wink has a great quote that says, to worship and to praise is to remember who owns the house. Everything you have that you love, that you adore, that you are grateful for, that you are thankful for, grace covenant, comes from God. And sometimes it is very easy for me at least to be thankful for food, to be thankful for a car, to be thankful for an apartment, to be thankful for this calling at Grace Covenant. And I can be thankful for all of those things, but forgive to give thanks to the one who gave me those things and to live my life in praise and honor of the one who gave me those things. Sometimes we love the gifts of God, but forget to love God. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says a lot about us. And maybe the most important thing that he says about us is that we are in Christ. We are in Christ. And a good way to kind of think of this is when we are in Christ, Christ becomes our geography. Christ becomes our geography. Christ becomes where we live. Currently, we are in Lakewood, Colorado, a suburb of Denver, in the country, the United States of America. And in our geography, there are certain cultural norms and values that we live in. There are certain behaviors that are normal within this geography, within this region. In Minnesota, it's Minnesota nice and passive aggressiveness. I haven't quite figured out what um, Denver's uh, normal personality is yet, but I hope to. But all that to say, in Denver, in Lakewood, in Colorado, at Grace Covenant, there is a culture, there is a value, there is a geography that we are living in. But as we live in Christ, as Christ becomes our Savior and our Lord, we live in his geography. We live in his kingdom. We follow his laws. We follow his ways. And that means that his geography, being in Christ, supersedes everything else in our lives. It supersedes every other geography we have. Being in Christ means that he is where we live. We live no place else. We live in Christ and everything in our lives flows from living in Christ. And that is why we praise him. And finally, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power that raised Christ from the dead that resides within those of us who believe. And that is a, an amazing thing because I could not follow Christ. I could not live in Christ. I could not put God on the throne if I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, I would be doing everything Tyler's way. And I would be no annoying and making a lot of people mad at me if I was doing everything Tyler's way. 
It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that our hearts and minds are transformed into Christ-likeness. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we more and more are able to live in Christ. And I pray every day that the Holy Spirit would continue to grow our hearts and minds closer and closer into relationship with Christ. And that knowledge of who God is and what God has done for us leads us naturally to praise. For the praise of his glory. For the praise of his glory. Abraham Heschel has this great quote. And he writes... That prayer and praise is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. Only one response can maintain us. Gratefulness for witnessing the wonder, for the gift of our unearned right to serve, to adore, and to fulfill. It is gratefulness which makes the soul great. It is gratefulness which makes the soul great. What are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? If we are grateful for Christ, if we are grateful for God, our souls will continually be transformed and our lives and attitudes will be continually transformed into an attitude of humility, into an attitude of service, into an attitude of of worship into an attitude of recognizing that it's not about me. James K.A. Smith, and I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. James K.A. Smith wrote a book, You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habits. And in the book, he basically explains that our habits, what we love, form and shape us. And he has a great quote from this book, and he writes, Worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabituates our loves. Worship isn't just something we do, Grace Covenant. It is where God does something to us. Worship is the heart of discipleship because it is the gymnasium in which God retrains our hearts. What you praise, what you adore, what you worship on a daily basis will become who you are. We in Ephesians chapter 1 have a great picture of who God is. We have a great theological doxology of who Christ is. In knowing that, our only response should be to praise the name that is above every other name, to glorify the name that is above every other name. And I want to end with this little anecdote. How many of you, uh, you, you yourself, were either super excited on Christmas morning to open up presents or saw a young kid really super excited to open up presents on Christmas morning. Anybody? So I remember a time when I was about six or seven 
and um, I lived on a farm in southern Minnesota, and I uh, played with farm toys often. And I came down the steps, and my parents had set up a farm toy set for us to play with. Um, it was actually my brother's farm toy set. Um, this will tell you a little bit about my personality. It was my brother's farm toy set, a gift to him, but I decided that I should play with it because, again, it's my kingdom, not his. It's my kingdom, not God's. And so I played with this farm set and was grateful for this farm set continually. For like a year, I played with this farm set. Brothers and sisters, I share that because I want us, in our response to God, to have that same attitude, that same revelation. Kids, when they see presents under the tree on Christmas, their eyes light up, their smiles get huge, and then they open the present and they want to play with it constantly. And then they go to the next present and want to play with that one constantly. They are overjoyed by the gift that they receive. And they want nothing more than to spend time with that gift. Can we be like children? Can we be like children in how we come to God? In how we receive his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness of our sins? Can we come to God with that same adoration, with that same awe that children have in their face when they see Christmas presents under the tree at Christmas? I don't necessarily like the analogy of Christ being a gift because it devalues the worth of Christ. Christ is so much more than a gift. He is our life. He is our eternity. Let us receive him and let us live in him and let us praise him above all other things. There is nothing greater. There is absolutely nothing greater. No name is higher. No name is greater. Grace covenant. What? will we praise? Will we praise ourselves? Will we adore ourselves? Will we adore and live into our own accomplishments, our own pride, our own egos? Or we, will we humble ourselves as Christ did for us and serve one another in humility as a family so that the same grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness that was extended to us in Christ's death and resurrection is extended to each other. Let us praise God. Let us glorify God. And let us worship him above all other things. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for the reminder Thank you for the reminder that you are worthy of our praise. Thank you for the reminder that it is your name that we should praise above every other name. Thank you for the reminder that we are to be humble before you. And most of all, 
thank you for the reminder of who you are and for who we are. Chosen before the foundation of the world to receive your grace. That we are adopted into your family. Co-heirs with Christ. And that we have the Holy Spirit that guarantees those of us who believe in you a seat to sit in your majestic glory for all of eternity. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done for us. God, may we respond in praise. May we respond in adoration. May we respond in worship to you. And may everything we do and in everything we do May people see that you are on the throne, that you are Lord, and that it is your kingdom we are living in, not our own. I pray this in the powerful name of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. We now continue. And team, thank you, Grace Covenant. Uh, before I give the benediction, I just want to uh, thank you again for welcoming, as, welcoming me as your new pastor. And I would love to get to know each and every one of you. I don't have the time to get to know each and every one of you over the course of the next month, but over the course of the next year or several, I would love to, to meet you, to talk with you. Um, my email, I believe, is in the bulletin. Please feel free to reach out to me by email. And another thing, uh, I have an open invitation for anyone and everyone to come to my office on Tuesday afternoons. Come visit me. I have a curate. I have coffee. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Uh, and the reason I say that is Tuesday afternoons is normally when I do sermon prep. And I would love, 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 love an interruption because I have ADHD and I cannot focus for more than 10 minutes at a time. So the interruptions will greatly, greatly help me in my sermon writing. So feel free to come by the office, especially Tuesday afternoons. I look forward to meeting and greeting every one of you. Um, and also, um, I didn't say this last service, but I want to say this, this service uh, I want to thank the staff at Grace Covenant. They have done a wonderful job of preparing things uh, for me, and and I look, I, I'm just really looking forward to working with Nathan, Stephanie, Doris, Kelly, Chris. I'm probably forgetting a name. Uh, just really looking forward to working with them as we uh, proclaim. God and demonstrate his love in this community and through the workings of this church. I have talked long enough, so if you would stand up, I am going to give the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, Grace Covenant to love and to serve and to praise the Lord and one another. Amen. Amen.